Hello. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. We hope that you will be encouraged and it builds your faith. Thanks for listening. It's my heart tonight to come and activate something in you. And, um, and I'm going to do that tonight. I'm going to activate uh, something in you. There's a word the Lord has put in my heart that for a couple of weeks I've been chewing on. And uh, it, it's hit me pretty hard. And, uh, but it's a word that I shared a little bit with my staff the last couple of weeks. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dive a little deeper into it tonight. I feel like some of you need to hear it. I feel like you really need to hear it. And, and by the Holy Ghost tonight, heed this word. Heed this word that I'm about to give you tonight. I really feel like it's for somebody. And uh, I don't know who that is. It's actually it's for all of us because it's for me for sure. But, um, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm here tonight because I'm just hungry for more. Amen? We're just hungry for more. And, um, you know, I want God to deposit something in us that changes our life. It just doesn't make us feel his presence for just a, a little while while we're here. But that there's something deposited in you that really changes you. So that, you know, you can go out and change the course of history. And, um, you know, when you and I are born again and... Um, when we're born again, do you realize, think about this for a minute. When you are born again, when you gave your life to Jesus, do you realize that the resurrected power of Jesus took up residence in you? <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Think about that for a moment. No, really think about it. When you got born again, the resurrection, the power of Jesus took residence up in your life. Jesus, help us tonight. <laughs> I mean, if you get that revelation, you, you, you could help but not share Christ, but not pray for the sick, but not do something supernatural every day. Right? Think about that revelation. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, <laughs> that awakened our Savior in the grave, lives in you. I said, lives in you, <laughs> lives inside of you. It's what makes you alive in Christ. It's what makes me alive in Christ. And when you got saved and the Holy Spirit took resident in you, he is, he is not in you, but he wants to come out of you. <laughs> He's not just in you, but he wants to come out of you. He wants to be released out of your life. And, uh, He's in us, and the Bible says it's like a river that flows. It's not a lake, and it's not a pond. It's a river. And uh, it is, uh, and it flows through us. That's what the presence of God is. That's what Jesus is. That's what the power of resurrected life is, is to flow through us. And I've come to this conclusion the last couple of weeks and I've been a Christian for 35 years and uh, uh, walked with God. Actually, 34 years I've walked with God in my life. And I'm just realizing that it's not normal for a believer 
not to want to see the impossible bow its knee every day to the name of Jesus. Every believer should have a desire. It should be normal for every believer to see the supernatural happen. To let the supernatural be released and flow through your life. And to see the impossible have to yield to the Spirit of God that is in you. That lives inside you and me. You were born to invade the impossible in His name. (laughs) Isn't that good news? I mean, God has put His Spirit in you. That you could invade the impossible in His name. And... um, I think believers, we need to get to the place where we need to just declare and say, hey, we're going to believe in the supernatural and we're not going to let certain things happen on our watch. Right? We're not going to let certain things happen on our watch. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you would turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 3, I want to... Just share a passage of scripture with you, just a revelation that I had. You know, uh, I don't know if this is uh, will happen or not, but I'm hoping that when we get to heaven, that we're able to go back and video, that God will video and let us see things that happened. I want, I want to see the children of Israel cross the Red Sea, don't you? I want to see the armies of Egypt swallowed up in the Red Sea. I want to see the exploits of God. I want to see, there are certain things I want to see. And um, I don't know if God will allow us to see it. Maybe he will. You know, maybe not. But there are certain things that I wish, when I read in scripture, I go, man, I wish I was there. <laughs> you ever feel that? You know, I, I do. I wish I was in the Valley of Elam when David took Goliath down. I mean, I'm telling you, I wish I was there. I mean, you know, I'd love to have been a spiritual reporter. (laughs) Here we are tonight in the Valley of Elam. (laughs) But Jesus' baptism is one of those things that I wish I could have witnessed, that I wish I could have seen, that I wish I could have seen happen. And here in Luke... Uh, I want to show you something about Jesus' baptism, and which will lead us right into what I want to get in your spirit tonight. Earlier in the scripture, in the book of Mark, the Bible says that Jesus looked, or John looked and saw Jesus, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God that take away the sins of the world. And uh, here in Luke chapter 3, in verses 21 and 22, we see Jesus comes and asks John, to baptize him. And uh, I mean, could anybody feel any more unqualified than at that moment than John must have felt? Right? I mean, Jesus comes and asks you to baptize him. And I, I, I thought about that for a second. I thought, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. Is that not right? And, you know, Jesus didn't have to repent, he was God. But Jesus asked John to baptize him. I I believe the reason Jesus was baptized, other than being our example, 
was the fact that he could enter into intercession for us. And so, but I saw this quote, and I love it. It says, when you're willing to do what you're not qualified to do in the kingdom, that's what qualifies you. Because <laughs> how many know God always asks you to do what you're really not qualified to do? But when God, when you're willing to do what you're not qualified to do, that's what qualifies you. That's what qualifies you in the kingdom. Because when He breathes upon your labor, when He puts His hand upon your hand, when He, when he empowers you in your words, to make a significance when you speak for Him, when you labor for Him. There's so much here in these two verses. And um, the Bible says in verse 21, And when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while He prayed, the heavens was opened. Verse 22, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son, and you I am well pleased. The Bible says when Jesus came out of the water, all of heaven opened up. The heavens opened up. Mark's gospel says that the heavens were parted, or the clouds were parted. That heaven had opened up. It, it's, it's, uh, we think of, uh, in our mind, when we think Jesus was being baptized, he goes down, he comes up, and it's like all of a sudden these clouds just part, and there's this, you know, euphoric, you know, <laughs> you know, nice, you know, hallmark moment where the Holy Spirit descends like a dove upon Jesus. But it's interesting, this word here, open up, or the word Rent means to tear apart violently. It's an interesting word. It's, it's used a few times in Scripture, but it's mostly noted in Matthew 27 when Jesus is on the cross. You all remember when he died, the moment he died, the Bible said, and the curtain in the temple was rent, right? You all know that the curtain was like six inches thick and 60 feet high. And the Bible says that the temple curtain was rent open. And then it said, and the rocks began to cry out. And the Bible says in Matthew that the rocks were split. It means, uh, it means that it, it's a violent action. It's a picture of a violent act that's opening up. It's like when Jesus was baptized, it's like the heavens were just rent and opened up. It was though it was like this violent act that took place. And... Um, I thought to myself, man, that had to be something to be seen. And the Bible says, and the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus like a dove. And John's gospel said that not only did it descend upon him, but it remained upon him. That it remained. His abiding presence came and remained on Jesus. And we know that Jesus lived continually under an open heaven. And... Um, Now, we know that Jesus lives in us, and He always will, right? He'll never leave us. But we, we need to admit tonight the fact that 
Though He lives in us and may never leave us, He doesn't always rest upon us. And the, and the Spirit of God rested upon Jesus. It came and rested upon Him. And uh, the Spirit of God is in me for my sake. But it rests upon me for others' sake. You hear what I'm saying? The Spirit of God is in you for your sake. But the Spirit of God rests upon us for others' sake. It rests upon us for so that we can change the environment we live in. We can change our surroundings. We can demonstrate the power, the love of God, the mercy of God. We can establish His reality all around us. The Spirit of God rests upon us so that we can can establish His presence and demonstrate His power all around us. All around our surroundings. And Jesus, we know Jesus, he lived under an open heaven. I quoted a scripture to you when we opened tonight in Isaiah 64. It says in verse 1, to rent the heavens and come down. You know, the renting of the heavens, it kind of tells me this. It tells, it tells me that there's kind of in the earth, there appears to be this contradictory reality working against the purposes of God. You know, on the earth, you know, uh, the law of sin and death, the uh, sin nature is released on the earth. And so there's this contrary force that tries to work against the purpose of God. So God just rent the heavens. He just opened the heavens up. And when you and I get born again, I believe that there's an open heaven that can be open in our lives. Over you is an open heaven. God can open heaven over cities. I believe He can open heaven over cities. And when there's an open heaven that lives over our life, we become mindful of God. And uh, prayer and our sensitivity to God is heightened when we live in an open heaven. But most of closed heavens for believers is between our ears. The reality is the way we think is... is, uh, is inconsistent with what Jesus has accomplished for us. In other words, the reason why we don't have open heaven over us most of the time is because because of the way we think sometimes. We contradict or we, we don't realize there's an inconsistency. We don't realize what Jesus has accomplished for us. And um, we live unconscious of the open heaven, the reality, um, and it affects our faith and our courage. When we, when we get to the play, we don't, when we don't realize what is in us, that the Spirit of God lives in us in a powerful way, and when heaven, when we think inconsistent with what Jesus had done for us in our mind, we close that open heaven over our lives. 
And when, that, uh, and when that is closed, it affects our faith. It affects our courage. Think about this for a moment. If the Holy Spirit is in me and the Father desires to have fellowship with you and me, what demonic power can stop that? There isn't any, right? I mean, there's no demonic power that can keep that from heaven, from happening. If the Father who is in heaven desires to have relationship with us and the Holy Spirit is in us, that's an open heaven with the Father, the fellowship with the Father. There's no demonic power that can, that can block that. Nothing can affect that from happening. But what happens is when, when, we, when our mindset, when we close and don't allow heaven to be open over our life, when we don't realize what Jesus has done for us, what happens is it affects our risk, what we're willing to. Um, what we're willing to live for or live with. You know, it affects our ability to step out in faith. It affects our vision, our hope, our sense of purpose. It alters the way we think and the way we live and we begin to live in a closed heaven. We begin to live in the midst of a closed heaven. And so... Would put here as light, right? We're salt and light. And we're to be a city that is on a hill. We're to be a community of believers who attract people out of darkness and bring them into light and into refuge and safety and the nourishment and the care and the health of Jesus. We're to be salt and light. And the Bible said the Spirit of God came upon Jesus. I mean, that had, to be, that had to be beautiful. I mean, what an amazing scene to have seen all of that taking place. And so, if the Holy Spirit is really resting upon us like a dove, resting upon you and me, when heaven opens up and the Spirit of God rests upon us, if that's the case, then how do I walk around this room? I walk around this room very consciously. Why? Because I don't want to disrupt the dove that is resting upon me. The Spirit of God that is resting upon me. In other words, every step with the, with, with the dove in mind. In other words, we have to live our lives when heaven is opened up and the Spirit of God is resting upon us. We have to live our lives with the dove in mind. That everything we say, everything we do can affect whether or not the dove remains or not. And so living under an open heaven, to be conscious of God's presence in our life. And so we see here, it is interesting, when we look at this passage of Scripture in John 3, and Jesus is baptized. Now I want you to see, what did God say about his son? He said, you are my beloved son, and in and you I am what? I am well pleased. That's what the father said of him, right? Now, I want you to look at chapter 4. This is where I'm going tonight. In Matthew, or Luke 4, verse 1, it said, Then Jesus, being filled with the Spirit, returned from the Jordan... So immediately, 
He left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil, right? And in those days, he ate nothing. Jesus ate nothing for 40 days. He fasted, and afterwards, when, uh, when they had ended, the days, the 40 days had ended, he was hungry. <laughs> now, that's scripture. I don't get that scripture because... It said after the 40 days, he was hungry. I mean, I'm, I'm hungry day one and day two and day three and day 10 and day 15. But it said Jesus didn't become hungry till after the 40 days. Now, you know, that's a reality that, um, that I've not grasped onto yet. But in verse three and... Um, it, it says this in chapter 4. This is the, where I want to go. It says, And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. Now think about that for a moment. If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. What was the last thing Jesus heard from his Father? What did he say? He said, you are my beloved son who I am well pleased. What did the father do? The father affirmed him as the son of God. And what was the first thing, the first thing heard from the devil? He said, if you're the son of God, turn these, this, these stones into bread. Right? You know, Matthew 13, when it talks about the seed and the soil, it says, when tribulations and persecutions come because of the word. In other words, what it's saying in Matthew 13, that the seed represents the word of God. And when the word is planted, the word of God is established. Listen, when the word of God is established in your life, when God says something to you, whether it be prophetically or whether it be through his word, when the word of God is established in your life, let me, let me, you can write this down. It will attract conflict in your life. To the point sometimes you think you misheard God. You'll get a prophecy from the word of God. You'll get a prophecy over your life. And all of a sudden, let me tell you, the word of God will attract conflict. It'll attract, it'll attract, the word is given and the enemy works to undermine the strength and the beauty of that word. He did it to Jesus. If he did it to Jesus, why would he not do it to us? Right? We get a powerful word from God, and the word of God is sown into our lives. I mean, we get a word from God, and we're like, thank you, Lord, for speaking to me. Thank you for the promise that you just gave me. But I'm here to tell you, the enemy, the first thing he'll do is he'll begin to try to undermine that word. He'll be trying to undermine that word that was spoken to you to question what God said. To question what God said. Now the enemy will immediately begin to question what God said. Did he not do that to Eve? Adam and Eve in the garden? He said to Eve, he said, didn't he tell her, did God say? Right? Isn't that what he said? And then he turns around and does it to the Son of God. He does it to the last Adam. He did the same tactic that he used on the first Adam. He used on the second Adam. 
You know, a, a powerful scripture that I think is powerful. You know, when Mary, when Jesus was born, shepherds came and, and spoke to Mary and the shepherds told what they saw in the fields. The wise men came. They talked about what they saw in the field. They took Jesus to uh, Annas and uh, into the temple and they testified to what they saw. You know what the Bible says? It says that Mary, Mary, she pondered these words in her heart. It really means that she treasured these words. In other words, she pondered them in her heart. She took them. She, she took the words. I mean, I believe that through Jesus' life, those words of who Jesus was probably at times was what encouraged her while Jesus was doing his ministry. I mean, you'll get a specific word in your life, even through devotion or through prophecy. You know that every word that comes from God carries the DNA of God in it? Every prophecy you receive, every, every, every word that God speaks to you from his word, inside his word, carries the DNA of God in it. And if it's a word that you grab onto and hold onto as a promise, it's got God's DNA on it. There is life in that word. And we have the responsibility to protect that which God has said to us. The truth is you're going to have contrary experiences. For instance, let me give you an example. Just give you just an example. In other words, the word of the Lord comes to you and all of a sudden inside you, uh, there's this burning desire for evangelism. And the word of the Lord begins to burden you for evangelism. And, and it begins to get in you. And all of a sudden, out of this burning word, you, you, you read something in God's word that is like a promise that you hang on to. All of a sudden, somebody calls you out and prophesies over you about that desire. And you, you receive that word. You get that word in you. And all of a sudden... That word becomes the word of God that has been spoken to you. But what happens is, when you receive that word, you have to understand all of heaven is behind that word. But circumstances that contradict what burns in your soul. In other words, what happens is when that word comes, the enemy all of a sudden, you will see and you'll walk at times in circumstances that try to contradict that word that God has spoken to you. The enemy will try to come at you and will try to contradict what that, what that word says. And this is, this, is, this is where we have to make a choice. This is where we have to make a choice. This is, what I, what I, I, this is, this is the mistake I've made in my own life. All of a sudden, there's circumstances that come that contradict that word in your life. And all of a sudden, you have all of these things going on. And you're like, all of a sudden, you're like, whoa, what's going on here? This doesn't look like anything God prophesied. This doesn't look like anything that God has said. And there's this battle that's going on. But we have a choice. We have a choice to feed on the word. 
are to feed on the question of God's Word. Feed on the Word. The Bible said this. Jesus said this after He resurrected. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Right? What's that mean? That means if Jesus says, all authority has been given unto me, that means there's nothing nothing left for anything else. So what's that tell you? The devil has no authority. And the only authority we give him is when we begin to believe the lie or when we believe, begin to believe the contrary word that comes against what God has said. When, when there's the question of the word of God, of when God's word is questioned or what God has said is questioned in our life. There's no power. We be, if we believe the lie, that's when we give authority to the enemy, when we believe the lie. If we believe the lie, um, then we believe, and that's what gives it authority. What did Jesus say to the Pharisees in Mark 7? He said, by your traditions, you have rendered, the word of, you have rendered powerless the word of God. In other words, what he was saying is the standards that you hold were not set by the Word of God. God says something to you and all of a sudden the happenings in your life is contrary to what you've prayed and what you've heard. What do you do? What do you do? And, and what happens is when the prophetic comes on our life, a lot of times we will feed the question instead of feeding the word. Because the circumstances puts us in position to where we begin to doubt what God has said. And I want to encourage you tonight. God wants to open heaven up over your life. He wants the Holy Spirit to come and rest upon you so that you can do the supernatural because the same, Christ, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of you. And there are winds that will blow that will be contrary to what the word of God has said to you. You know, in 2002, and I've shared this before, but I'm going to share it again because it's, it was a significant moment. 2002, I was standing in the Lee Greenwood Theater in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. I was at a I was at a conference. I was at a, actually it was a pastor's conference, and I was there with another pastor friend of mine, and um, uh, Pastor Bob Rogers was speaking, and uh, we were there in that meeting, and um, at that time I was pastoring a church in East Tennessee, and I could feel a little bit of rumbling in my spirit that God was getting ready to do something. Transit. I don't didn't know what was happening, and. Uh, in the middle of his message, uh, he calls me out, and this is what he says to me. He says, he said, uh, Pastor, he said, in 30 days, God is going to move you from where you are right now and move you to another place. He said, and the Lord has given me a word for you. And it's in the book of Joel, chapter 2, verse 26 and 27. And Joel 2, 26 and 27 says that, and the day shall come when you shall eat in, eat in plenty. And it talked about the blessing of God. And he quoted it and said that 
you shall eat in plenty. And really the prophecy was that there's going to come a day, uh, and he told me this, he gave me some instruction about my children, and he said there's going to come a day when, when you're going to eat in plenty. God's going to bring blessing into your life. There's going to be fulfillment in your life. And I'm telling you, it was like I could feel the Spirit of God on that word. I knew that was a word from God. And so I took that word and began to pray. And would you realize that in less than 30 days, we, were, we had moved from where we were to another, to another church, to another position. And it wasn't two days later, I had a pastor friend call me and said, Hey, you know, uh, there's a church here that needs a pastor. And the first thing I thought of was you. Would you be interested? And I thought, well, I had gotten that word. And I said, sure, I'll talk to him. Well, in 30 days, we had already moved. God had worked it out. But, but let me tell you this. The next eight years, the next eight years, the enemy fought that word. Fought that word. Fought that word. And I want to tell you, here recently, just beginning, I was telling Laura this week that I really feel like this hour, this season that we're in right now, we're really beginning to see that word come to pass. But there was eight years of hell that was there, even longer than that, where the enemy contrary that word, I could feed. And what I, be, what I would do is I would say, that's not coming to pass, God. Now, I begin to question that word. You can begin to question that word, begin to say, well, that wasn't God. When's that ever, you know, is that ever going to come to pass? And you begin to feed on the question and feed on the question instead of feed on what God says. And I believe as the church, we need to begin to feed on what God says instead of feed on the question, right? Satan said, if you are the son of God, Jesus didn't have to demonstrate for him. He had no authority. Jesus didn't have to do anything, right? And the enemy will come to doubt and will try to bring doubt on what God has said in your life. Many of you are sitting here and God has spoken powerful words over your life. But I'm here to declare tonight that the word of God, that you'll feed on the promise of the word of God and not the question. I'm going to close with this tonight. Guys, you can come back. In, um, in Luke chapter 4, later on in the chapter, we see Jesus. He is in Nazareth. And Jesus gets up to speak into, in the temple. Right? And he gets up to speak in the temple and he came to Nazareth. And he gets up to read. He's handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written. And in verse 18, it says this, And the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recover the sight of the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, and look what the Bible says in verse 20. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. What happened? Jesus, the Spirit of God, rested upon him 
as he read the word. You know, the Bible says that the word of God is life. And uh, it says in John uh, 1.14 that Jesus, that Jesus himself is manifested God. But it says that in John 6.63 that when Jesus speaks the word of God, it is spirit. And what happened was the spirit of God came down in that synagogue and the whole atmosphere was changed by the reading of the word, by Jesus speaking, because he lived in an open heaven. The atmosphere was changed. The whole environment was under the presence of God. It, it, I believe it was tangible, because it said they all looked upon him, and they looked upon him. Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. That's powerful. Here they had a moment of the reality of the presence of God. It was not ideas. It was not philosophy. It was not doctrine. It was the and Listen, Jesus came into Nazareth, and this was their visitation. This was the time of their encounter. And the Spirit of God came in that place. Their eyes was on Jesus. The reality of his presence was there. And then something happened. And the Bible says, and they said, Is this not Joseph's son? <laughs> What happened? There was the question of the reality of what was taking place in that room. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Jesus said, I've been anointed to preach the gospel. I've been, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, recover sight of the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed and proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then the question came. How could he be that if he's Joseph's son? Right? You know what happens in church? You know what happens? You know what happens, what tries to happen here? But we're not going to let it happen anymore. Because we're going to live under an open heaven. Because what happens is we begin to proclaim that Jesus heals and that Jesus sets free. That the supernatural, that we could have a supernatural encounter with God. That heaven can open up and this could be a flood of the miraculous. That there can be miraculous encounters that take place in our midst. Right? You believe that? You believe God can do the miraculous in this place? How about becoming a miracle center for God? A city that burns with revival. That just spills out from here and into the streets. But what happens is, once that begins to happen, somebody says, well, that's not of God. That's not how God does it. Or that's not how we do it around here. Or that's not how we have done it around here. 
What happens? The question comes, and when people begin to feed the question instead of what God says, then what happens is unbelief fills the house. And the Bible said what? Jesus could not do any miracles there because of what? Because of their unbelief. And all he did was lay hands on a few sick and they were healed. I brought this folder out here tonight. In this folder is every prophecy that has been spoken over this church. Oh, every prophecy that has been spoken. Every word that has been given prophetically over this church that we could record. And, you know, we keep this in the office. Our intercessors pray over it, I know. Let me just read this to you. This was a prophecy that was given in November of 2017. This house will pastor prophets because you have given them a place. Millennial voices are coming forth. All you've done since you put your foot on this territory, the Lord says that you are walking up steps of faith. And with each step of faith, there's going to be Miracle after miracle after miracle. I don't know about you, but I receive that, right? Miracle after miracle after miracle. It mentions a name and says someone's going to be very involved in the future of this church. That is so far from what's the reality of that now. There is a contrary, there is a contrary circumstance that speaks against that. But how many know I'm not going to feed the question. I'm going to feed into what God said. Because you have made your life a river for others, you'll also have fresh revelation to your heart because you won't let the saws get to you. Shift is coming. Oil will get fuller and fuller because of obedience. The Lord will honor you in the city. You know, there's a scripture that came to me this week that I've been praying the Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 16, you all remember when Saul disobeyed God and he, he, God told him to wipe out the Amalekites and he let King Agag live and the Bible says that he kept all the, the good spoil and he hid him from God and, and Samuel went to confront uh, Saul and the Bible says and... Um, God said to Samuel, I, I, re, I repent that I even made Saul king over Israel. God said, I'm taking his kingdom away from him. I've rejected him. And the Bible said the prophet, the prophet Samuel spoke those words to Saul. And the Bible said that he went and wept and he cried. He wept and he cried. Now that's a true prophet that weeps over and so, a few verses later, the next chapter, the Spirit of God speaks to Samuel and says, Samuel, he says, why have you, let me just read it to you. 
This is powerful because it's going to minister to somebody tonight. 1 Samuel 16. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul? Seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel. How long will you mourn for Saul? Seeing I have rejected him. The word rejected means I have cut his authority. I have cut his authority. And the Lord spoke this to me this week as I was reading. And the Lord spoke to me. How long are you going to mourn for? How long will you mourn in depression? How long will you mourn in discouragement? How long are you going to mourn into this place when Jesus says, I've cut that authority over you? How long are we going to mourn for 2020? Right? How long are we going to talk about the pandemic? How long are we going to mourn for what was lost in 2020? Don't you think it's about time to get up, wash our face, put our boots back on, and get back out there and get back doing what God's called us to do? We can't, we can't blame our lazy evangelism on 2020 now. It's time, it's time, it's time to get up and go. And look, what, and look what God said to Samuel. He said, Samuel, fill your horn with oil and go. Fill your horn with oil and go. And I, I'm telling you, when I read that, Liz, you know, there's things you read in the Word of God, and you're like, you read it, and you kind of go over it. But when I read that, oh, man, that was like a, you know, just like a shot in my chest. Fill your horn with oil and go. Fill your horn with oil and go. And what was interesting was, is that he said, I'm going to send you to Jesse's house. And there I will raise up. I have chosen a king for me, God said. And he says, take your horn. And when you pour it out, where the oil flows, that's, what, that's who I've chosen. And I thought to myself, you know, we have to pick up our horn with oil. And we have to go where God says go. And where the oil flows is where we're supposed to be. That's where we're supposed to be connected to. That's where we're supposed to go. That's what, that's what our calling is. That's, what our, that's where we're to go. But we're to fill our horns with oil and go. Fill our, I mean... And we have to reject the Saul's. You know what the Saul's were? The Saul's were those. The Saul's were, were, you know, Saul had no interest in God. He had all the interest of being a king, but he did not. He was not after God's heart like David was. The shift is coming. Oil will get fuller and fuller because of obedience. The Lord will honor you in the city. Deliver people in the city. The Holy Ghost runs this church and will keep the doors open. Come on, I received that, right? The Holy Ghost runs this church and will keep the doors open. Solidify leadership. Going to get every leader on the same page. As an arrow launched out of this church, you'll send missionaries Raised up in this church, 
People will be sent out of this church all across the land. This is my favorite. You're going to get a reputation of revival. <laughs> Hallelujah. Every system you implement because you've taken your time and have a long-term plan, I'll put my hand on it. Hallelujah. How many know it's not a plan if God doesn't put his hand on it? None of the leaders that serve under you will have leprosy. Praise God. The church will expand in all kinds of directions. Ministry will expand. And this is, I love this ending. It says, I will send Davids into the house of the Lord that say, I am here to serve. <laughs> That's just one of... And you know, when, when, when difficulties come and things happen, all of a sudden, it's like the enemy says, those words are going to die. Those are not from God. We can choose to believe the lie or what's contrary or what the circumstances say or we believe what God says. That's an open heaven. That's an open heaven. Let's stand tonight. And you may be here tonight and you may feel like the enemy has come and said things that are contrary to what God has said in your life. The Spirit of God is in you and wants out of you. The Holy Spirit wants to come and rest on you and open heaven up over you. I'm praying tonight and I declare tonight that over you, when you leave here tonight, there's going to be an open heaven that opens up over your life. That just as when Jesus walked into places, the whole atmosphere of the room changed, life changed. When I first got saved, there was such a radical change in my life. I lost every friend I had. Every friend I had, Brooke, every one. They, they, all of them deserted me. I did, except one that witnessed to me. I lost them all. I mean, they, they, they thought I was nuts, crazy, lost my mind. They thought I was insane. Because I had just, I wanted so much of God. And I remember one evening I came home to my house. I'd been at church and for some special service. It was a Saturday evening. And all my friends, one of my best friends lived next door to me. We were friends for years. And uh, I witnessed to him all the time. And one day he gave me this religious thing. He said, he said Shane, he said, I'll tell you what. He said, I really want to try to do better. Isn't that what sinners say? I'm going to try to do better. And, and if you see me doing anything that's ungodly or, you know, that's not God's way, he said, 
you know, you can come and just tell me about it. That's what he said. He was only saying those things just to get me out of his hair. I, I knew what he was doing. But I, I took it to heart. I said, okay, all right. I came home one day, and he's holding this huge, big party. And it was, I mean, it was, it was, it was on, y'all. I mean, anybody who was somebody was there. I pulled in next door in my car, and I thought, man, they are going at it tonight. And uh, I got out of the car, and the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and reminded me what he had said. He said that if he was doing anything that was contrary to, to God's word, that he wanted me to come. And so I said, okay. So I went and got my Bible, and I marched right over, right through the gate into that party. And people saw me coming, and they started scattering. It was like cockroaches leaving. They were jump. I'm telling. They were jumping the fence. They were leaving because they knew I was coming to preach. I was coming to share Jesus. And I walked in, and him and a few friends were sitting at the table, and they were they were partying, they were drinking, they were playing a drinking game, and uh, they were cap. They were really. No place for him to go because I was in the doorway. And uh, he looked up at me, and I'm standing there with that Bible that I had. And uh, he says to me, he says, well, Jesus never said, never said anything about not drinking. And I said, Bobby, I didn't say anything. I've just come over to see you. And he went into this defense mode. I mean, people were gone, man. I mean, the house is about empty except for these five or six guys that are sitting around the table. And I could just feel the presence of God come into that, into that dining room where they were sitting. You know, I sat down, and they just started asking me these questions. And I just began to open the Bible. I mean, I hadn't been saved very long. been saved probably eight months, six, eight months. And uh, I'm, I'm going through the Bible. They're asking me these questions. And next thing you know, I look up and two or three of them are weeping. And I sat there and led just about the whole table to the Lord that night. Why? Because if you let the Spirit of God rest upon you, there's an open heaven. It can change the environment you walk in. It can change... I just remember those young high school guys weeping and crying. And it wasn't anything. It was like Jesus put power on those words. And God wants to open heaven up over you tonight. Maybe you have believed the lie that has been contrary to what the Spirit of the Lord has said to you. I mean, I've been here when prophets had prophesied over some of you all. I know some of the words that you've been given. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us for River Valley Community Church's podcast. If you feel led to give, you can click on the donation link in the description or visit our website at rivervalleymadison.com. If you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share with your friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.